Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's <laughs> a big plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It's As we clarify, usually every time we have a guest, hint, hint, we have a guest, we have issues because I'll let you drop the line, Eric, because you're the one who came up with it. We're issues well, in that we episode. Well, yeah, we do have issues. Um, it is the, the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, myself, Mike, and we're being joined this week by freelance writer and new Marvel writer, Ethan Sachs. How's everyone doing? I'm good, man. Good. Good, man. Yeah, great, man. I'm like Ringo in this band. <laughs> Ringo is the cool one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so cool that decades later he's still narrating Thomas the Tank Engine. You know, it, at least at least you're not Pete Best. That's that is true. That is that, true. that's much. Tr- that's very true. So, currently, uh, you were saying before show you're doing some freelance work, um, but slowly moving into becoming a full-time writer at Marvel? Well, I mean, I don't know at, at Marvel. I, I, unfortunately, I don't have the power to give myself that exclusive deal. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been trying. I'm standing outside the glass doors, and then as soon as someone goes in, I just look like I'm, I'm supposed to be there. So uh, that's actually how I got Old Man Hawkeye. Um, but no, I mean, hopefully, one, you know, uh, it's a career change for me. Uh, I've been in journalism for, and I'm still uh, a journalist, for uh, going on 22 years now. So, yeah, so it's either a midlife crisis or a career change. There's nothing wrong with a career change. We're a midlife crisis. That true. That too. That's true. So how did you become the writer for Old Man Hawkeye? Well, uh, I will tell you the shortest version of this story as possible. But my secret origin story is basically uh, I'd covered uh, – so I'd worked at the New York Daily News for a long time, and I worked kind of a, a really cool beat, like the geek beat. So it was like everything from Star Wars to uh, um, you know comic books. And so like my biggest claim to fame uh, in that beat was uh, we broke the Captain America getting killed off in was it 2007. Um, so, you know, I knew a lot of people in the business and I've been, uh, friends with, with, uh, Joe Casada for years. And, uh, so we were at a Mets game. He's a big Mets fan. So we were at a Mets game once and I, I never crossed the line at all, but I had this idea for a star Wars story. Um, it was, I think 2016, uh, May the 4th. You remember the, the fake star Wars holiday? 
So I had interviewed this actor who had played Greedo, and I asked him, I said, did it bother you that there was this whole generation of fans that didn't uh, didn't know that or thought that, that uh, you know, hand shot second? And that, like, you know, I saw it in the theaters originally, and I knew that that was a lie. Uh, that was this conspiracy foisted on us. So I, you know, he said that in the script it said alien shoots first. Uh, so basically I had this idea of this, like, murder investigation into to who shot Greedo. And it was sort of a little tongue-in-cheek. But so we're sitting at this meth game, and I'm like, do you mind if I pitch you this, you know, if I write a spec script, you can use it to curb your dog, whatever you want to do with it. But I just, I have this idea. I'd love to get it on paper. And he kind of humored me. Like, he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, so I wrote it and he didn't read it for like four months. Uh, so then eventually he read it and he actually liked it. So he, he was not involved day to day in the comics. So he, he sent it to some people, you know, who were, and they, lo and behold, they actually liked it. And uh, long story short, Lucasfilm liked it less. it it ultimately didn't see the light of day it's uh it's you know probably uh the only use anyone got out of it was uh joe's dog but um (laughs) it it was enough to sort of get people to say like axel called me and he was like um axel alonzo at the time editor-in-chief he's like give me a list of characters you think you could write uh so i I sent a list and um you know we bandied about some things i wrote an eight-page story uh from a secret empire uh you know the brave new world which is like this anthology series uh, that was on the Daily Bugle because they figured it'd be safe for me as a journalist to sort of write what I know. And uh, then I got a call from Mark Basso, who's my editor uh, for Old Man Hawkeye. And he was like, hey, we're, we're doing, you know, this was in July, I think. Uh, if you you want to pitch for it, there are other writers involved. And uh, so I wrote a pitch. Uh, I can't tell you what the pitch is because actually the third issue, which is coming out in two weeks, is kind of reveals sort of part of part of this pitch. So um, so they I ended up getting it. Uh, everyone was shocked. But they, uh, uh, I don't know if everyone was shocked, but I was shocked. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they paired me with a great art team. And uh, I think also, like, I don't know that there were huge expectations outside of Marvel. I mean, Marvel really loved the old man Logan universe. Right. And so, like, this was not some sort of cynical sales thing. Like, they really wanted to do something with this. And uh, I personally thought Old Man Hawkeye was sort of the, the stole the show in Old Man Logan, especially the first half of, the, of that book. So I kind of I kind of I got the character. I'm an old man. Um, you know, my eyesight's probably fading. Uh, you know, so I, I definitely really gravitated towards it. So, yeah, here I am. So way too long answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, no, it's <laughs> great answer. Cause now- I was going to ask. I had seen the the, uh, the write up on Marvel dot com where you had mentioned a Star Wars script. So I was going to ask you what what that pitch entailed anyway. So see, well, I, you, I, you just, I mean, I, I see no reason why I can't reveal it because it's, it's <laughs> like I said. I think the only uh, the only being that got any use of it was out of it was Joe's dog. But it was basically like Rashomon uh, with the Greedo shooting was essentially like the the simple version. Um, do, you, do you remember seeing the uh, the the short fan subject troops? Yes. Yes. You ever thought about just taking that script and just trying to do a little a little fan shoot like that? Uh, that would require a lot of skills that I don't have. Uh, I mean, you, you could, you know, I mean, I don't know that I'd be able to uh, <laughs> to, to get that. Um, well, we, uh, you know, I, I'm great at filming things with like a giant, th- you know, thumb. <laughs> 
like you know. <laughs> so <laughs> this is pretty much what it would look like. See, we could update it instead of troops. It could be TCIS. <laughs> if you yep. want to make the effort to actually film it, I'll, I'll I will be the like the grip or, uh, or the catering the caterer. Well, I was gonna say I would I would love to see the script for that for that pitch because to me it sounds like that would be a better free comic book day movie than the one that we bought shortly after Force Awakens came out. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I'd have to really look for it because uh, it's probably somewhere on my computer. I mean, it was unedited. I, I just, just <laughs> well, we the ongoing joke here is the C three PO one shot is the most expensive free comic book day book that any of us have ever bought. By the time yeah. it came out, it should have been free comic book day. <laughs> yeah, the, the red arm special. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ethan, you you said uh, that you they asked you for a list of characters that you would like to uh, you know to 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 play with, and yeah. uh, obviously, Old Man Hawkeye was on that list. But what were some of the others? Actually, was not on the list. <laughs> was not I took a list and said, "Oh my god, we can't publish any of this." Uh, no, actually, one of them was uh, Loki. Um, I had an idea for, for a story with him that, uh, but at that point, I think they they were ready either knee deep or they've just finished a Loki miniseries. Um, some of the others I don't think I can say because one of them may actually still happen. Um, and then I'm, I, to be honest, I don't even remember the others. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, so I think Ethan's saying there's a chance Howard the Duck is coming back. Yes, <laughs> old man Howard. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Two words for you. Three words for you. Ultimate for Bushman. It's never been done. I Forbes would pay God, money for that, comic. Yeah. I would. Old man Forbush. <laughs> so yeah, they didn't. They they stopped taking my calls at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Up next in the old man series, old duck Howard. <laughs> it's just like a peeking duck. Oh. Too soon. <laughs> Disclaimer. I'm, I'm never back, am I? No, you you will be. Disclaimer: I'm one of the biggest Howard fans out there. Yes, I, I so actually bought the ticket. That, that was you that bought the ticket to the uh, to the '80s movie. I did buy the ticket to the '80s movie. I, I will say I did see it in the theaters. I did too. I, I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. That is the E3PO red arm of, of uh, movies. Is that? Uh... No, I don't think so. I think for when it came out, it, it was a decent film, despite Lucas kind of tossing it to the side, but not as quick as he tosses aside the holiday special. Ooh. Still have oh. not gotten over that one. I don't know. Mm, <laughs> so, um, yeah. why make the jump from journalism to comics? Well, I mean, I don't know that I set out to do that. I think, um, like, I, you know, the, the whole thing with that spec script was, like, just this one-off idea I had. I didn't even think writing comic books was a real profession. Like, I kind of I kind of thought it was like Keebler's elves in a, in a you know, I mean, actually, I knew people who, who did it, but it just seemed like just it's a weird idea that people get paid to do that, you know. Um, so I, I honestly didn't think that that was a career choice for me. I, I uh I'd been at this newspaper a long time, uh, you know, like a lot of media companies, it was <laughs> struggling a little bit uh, financially. So uh, when the buyout offer came, because I'd been there so long, it was like a nice chunk of change. So I took it rather than, you know, maybe get laid off in a few years. So then I kind of was at a crossroads and I thought at that point it was kind of aligning with the comic stuff. So I, I thought, why not give it a chance? I mean, it's still it's still still maybe just a midlife crisis, as I said before. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> 
So talk about some of the characters that we see coming up in the first few issues of uh, Old Man Hawkeye, the ones that you can divulge about. Well, yeah, I got to be tricky here because uh, I also like I love not spoiling things because there will be some, you know, um, I think some pretty cool moments. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that there are certain characters from Old Man uh, Logan that we haven't seen yet, like Dwight will be in it uh, and Kid, basically, you know, the, the kid with the ant helmet. Uh, Ant Man, but um, I kind of well, we, we got you. More. We got you covered. If we do have, if you do end up spoiling, we just go with. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> well, in that case, there's Namor and there's a, a <laughs> Jugger. I'm kidding. Um, I'll just list them all. Oh, man, Namor, I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, Red Skull will be a little bit in there. Uh, um, I think you know, if you've read the first two issues, uh, Hawkeye. Well, here's the funny thing. I I didn't realize when I'm sort of pacing this out that some of the covers would be uh, you know in preview issues several months in advance. So. I think something is telegraphed. I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it, but like, you know, some of the, like, I think issue four kind of gives something away from the cover alone. So, uh, but he's, he's got a very specific, you know, the whole, the whole uh, plot is pretty straightforward where he's losing his eyesight. Before he loses his eyesight, he, he needs this piece of business, you know, take, he wants to do this piece of business, which is essentially uh, this quest of revenge. And I think if you haven't seen the fourth cover, uh, you know, hopefully some of this comes as a, a or if you haven't seen some of these covers, like, I mean, some people have speculated online, but like, I kind of feel like the, the explanation is pretty cool. Um and then uh, he's being chased, as you know, by by someone who's been augmented. So you have you have this kind of enhanced uh, villain that has similar skill set to him, chasing him, and then as unbeknownst to him, as he's hunting his his prey. So uh, yeah, that is a long winded answer that answers nothing that you asked. <laughs> now I will say, I can say Dwight. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Lucky is probably dead by now, so there's none. Uh, no, no dog. Um, yeah. So that's all I can really tell you. I think there are some. There are definitely some people that I kind of enjoyed putting the wasteland versions. You know. Um, so there, there, there are some people we haven't seen in Old Man Logan that I think are pretty cool. Again, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at your interview on uh, Marvel.com, and it, it mentions the Madrox gang. Yes. I think this is like one of the coolest ideas ever where you know Madrox I think was kind of an underutilized character anyway just just because well outside of like the uh, the Johnson and Stroman run on X Factor where they put some humor into it and part of that humor of course was like doing a parody of they might be giants but um just where he's forming his own gang and that that to me is just like it's it's a it's a crazy idea but it's crazy good that it works and it's like oh well some of them get killed well we'll just make more and i originally when i made my very first pitch it was going to happen later in the series and they were going to find a, a whole village full of them um you know and it, it would it, almost like a village of the damned uh, kind of thing, but essentially the way he survived the apocalypse when the supervillains took over was just like he kept reproducing, and so uh, it just became like a copy of a copy of a copy, and he lost track of who he was. He lost he lost his any memory of Jamie because he had just reproduced so much. So it was the sort of idea behind it because I, li- I like the idea that he managed to survive, but he lost himself in the process. And just as far as the supervillains went, he's kind of like roaches, you know. 
they kept stomping on him, but he just kept surviving. So uh, ended up being his own outlaw gang. That's sort of and who knows? Maybe there's a whole spinoff of like of, of like a, a whole land of Madroxes, you know. And uh, who knows? I'm just the throwing Madrox that out. Army. In case any editors are listening, I'm throwing that idea out there. We we've known to have one or two on the show in the past, so they maybe they maybe well it'd be an event of all Madroxes, just populated all the characters are Madroxes. Um, the secret Madrox yeah. wars. <laughs> you don't know who to root for because literally they all look alike. Uh, all right, anyway, that that stopped the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a nightmare fuel. What kind of war would that be? be? I don't know. (laughs) This is why I'm the Ringo of the the four of us right here. (laughs) Okay, I think you broke me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Typical internet. Typical internet. Okay, so it seems also in uh, Old Man Hawkeye you've uh, you've had a good time putting in little Easter eggs here and there. Yes. Um, what are, what are some of the ones that uh, we might have missed thus far that you're you're most proud of? It's kind of like the right people will get this and they will love it. There, this is the stupidest one. I will, I will say I don't know if it's the best one. But in the very first panel, there's like this yellow vehicle. And that yellow vehicle is actually the force wagon from this, uh, you know, 90s comic book. And literally my idea was like an old man Logan, uh, the whole grandkids are flying around in one of the Fantastic Four vehicles. So I thought, okay, well, these vehicles are just lying around, right? And and maybe they're for sale in the black market or whatever. So uh, in the very beginning, Hawkeye is providing muscle for um, – this guy Jebediah Hammer who's like you know one of Justin Hammer's descendants and so uh, he's they're driving around in his vehicle and I was like well why not it's it's the kind of thing where maybe four fans who were, were reading comic books in the 90s might actually recognize it but I just thought I'd, I'd have some fun with it. there there's a bunch of stuff like that there's um in the second issue uh, Ashley's wearing a um, Angar and the Screamers t-shirt like with like a punk logo because I was thinking, like, you know, why not, right? There would be, if there was a band, it would be named after some two-bit villain, you know. Uh, so there's little things like Love that. It. Yeah, plus, plus there's some uh, Easter eggs from old man Logan, like, you know, he, how Wolverine's kids got the Xbox that they mentioned at the very beginning. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff like that. I, de- I definitely wanted it to feel like it existed in that universe, so... Uh, there are some casual mentions and um, uh, things coming up that I think will be cool. And some characters too, like some some characters that uh, that you won't necessarily. It didn't have to be connected, but kind of are. I know that's sort of cryptic, but I don't want to give anything away. So one of the uh, one of the advantages of being outside of the mainstream Marvel continuity is that you're not necessarily bound by uh, causality. Yeah. Uh, did they tell you, like, you know, you have free reign to basically cause all the carnage that you want? Or, or, or how much of a, I guess, how much of a leash did they uh, did they give you on, uh, on, on like, killing people off or, or bringing people in, that sort of thing? Well, I think as long as I was, I think one of the, when I first met with Axel uh, and Mark Basso, uh, one of the things, and I, I've tried to stick to this, they said is, you can you can bend these characters, but you can't break them. You know what I mean? Like these characters have to act the way they should based on all this rich history that, that comes with them. You know what I mean? Like I think Hawk, Hawkeye can kill people in this for the right 
reasons and like the wrong, you know what I mean? But he's not going to, he's not going to shoot an explosive arrow into a bunch of civilian. You know what I mean? Like that wouldn't be hard. So like I have to, within those rules, be true to these characters. Like they, they have to have codes. They have to have, um, but that being said, you know, we know that most of these superheroes are, are dead at this point, you know, 45 years earlier. So when there's a flashback sequence, I can, you know, kill off some of them in a horrible, horrible ways. That was the most depressing. I, I got to tell you, like, um, when I was at the Daily News, I interviewed George R. R. Martin uh, when they had the Red Wedding episode of, of Game of Thrones on. Right. And he told me something that really stuck with me, which was writing that scene was the hardest thing he's ever written because he loved those characters so much and it was so brutal. So what he did is he wrote the, the whole book um, and he left that chapter blank because he knew he knew where he was going to begin and where it was going to end. Right. So he could write the rest of the book. But um, the what he did was he wrote that last and it was just so hard to write. And so I have a similar issue coming up. So it's kind of it's kind of brutal because I have to kill off a lot of characters that I really liked, you know, kill them off on screen. And obviously, we knew that they were dead before. But uh, so that's kind of hard. That's tough. I mean, you see some of that in flashbacks anyway, already in the first and second issue. But uh, it's kind of kind of really uh, hard to do as a fan. You know what I mean? But it, it's going to be a powerful scene, I think, if I don't screw it up, which is always <laughs> Possible. Are are there any characters that uh, that you either have brought in or plan to bring in that y- your editors have just go really you want to bring him or or her in just just it just kind of like grab them by surprise. Well, I mean, I I have to say like the great thing about you know I'm not as experienced as, as a lot of writers out there, and so I have a great editor in Mark uh, Basso. And he has kept me on point. He's pointed out if I pitch something that he really doesn't think will work, he'll explain why. He'll nudge me in the right direction. So there are some things that, uh, you know, that I didn't do um, upon, you know, further conversation that I'm now glad I didn't do. And I, I don't know that I want to give any examples on that. Uh, <laughs> they sound stupid in the light of day. But, you know, they, they I had very ambitious ideas that were maybe in the wrong direction direction shall we say um okay as a writer you know sometimes it's hard to know when to let go (laughs) you know that you know you you know you you write a scene and no no this isn't right so you go back and you you know you do it and you do it do you have a hard time doing that do you know when to let go and even after do you are you still rewriting that scene well i think the benefit that uh the 22 years in journalism especially at a newspaper gave me was uh number one a fixation on deadlines and like not missing them and number two being able to give something to an editor and then walk away from it and like emotionally divorce myself from it so once i send a script to the editor if they make changes i'm not a prima donna about it i don't go back you know what i mean like it's done like i'll i'll argue if i think if i strongly disagree with something i mean like i'll i'll make a case for it or whatever but i'm not i do move on to the next thing because with with i don't miss deadlines so like with monthly stuff you you have to be on point and and kind of move on so like you know there are certain scenes where maybe i would be like you know if i had another shot at it maybe i would have done this or like looking at the whole thing two issues later kind of wish i did that scene in two slightly differently or a slightly different line but i've already walked away from it you know what i mean right so uh 
I think the trickiest thing for me is learning how to do action scenes, specifically like the the sort of artist instructions, because like what, you know, one of the great pieces of advice I got was like, you know, what's obvious in your head is not necessarily obvious to the artist. So the artist is seeing your script. That's what they're seeing. You know what I mean? So that in in that case, uh, if, you know, I, I have to explain it, I have to do, you know, like one action per panel, not three people doing three different things, because that's really hard to, to articulate in the same panel, if that makes any sense. So like uh, that has been an education for me. So like in some cases I've had to go back and forth a little bit, but ultimately we've gotten there. So so who, who are you partnered with on Old Man Hawkeye? I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm uh, partnered with a, a great Italian art team. Uh, the artist is Marco Gichetto. Uh He's a young gun, a Marvel young gun, and the um, the colorist is Andre uh, Mata, I believe, or Mosa. Sorry. Um, so anyway, they're they're uh, I call them Marco and Andres. That's that's my secret. Um, but they're fantastic. They're just I think that was like a great move by Marvel because you, you pair a rookie writer with this just amazing art team. And then no one's no one's looking at the uh, story or the uh, or the dialogue as much because they're like so fascinated by the art. So. Uh, no, but ho- hopefully they're looking at the story too. But uh, you know, I, I think it's been a, a magical experience for me getting this stuff in my email, you know, my inbox. Like you know, um, I've I've had these sort of back and forth emails, and they're like, you know, it's your story too. And I'm like, yeah, look, I'm the guy who basically said, hey, Michelangelo, you see that ceiling? Uh, can you paint that? And I'll be back, you know, I'll be back uh, at the end of the day. So that's like my role in the band. Um, so so like, but they're the ones actually painting the Sistine Chapel. So you're. What you were saying then was they've been very helpful in helping guide you into more of a comic book writer uh, and into this new realm. Well, it's more like um – so like the the editor is really does a lion's share of sort of quarterbacking. So like I think you you need to like improve this part here. Uh, you know when the art comes, they're like you know can you tweak this? Can you tweak that? But the artist gets the the script, and the magic is not just that he that Marco can draw this amazing art, but that he can um, he he kind of. And I'm I'm a former film editor, so like I think c- cinematically, but he really displays it cinematically. So like the angle he chooses the you know just it, it it makes it that much better um i mean i just you know obviously it's a visual medium so like i to me the art team is the single most important part of the puzzle uh and it's just they, they've done an amazing job because they you know it's a tough act to follow i mean steve mcniven is like he did old man logan looked amazing you know and so that's a tough act to follow uh, yeah, so I can't say enough about them. So, what are some uh, little contributions that they have made into into the the story from an artistic standpoint that that have surprised you? You go like, that's good. I never do, would have thought of that. I think like, um, so first of all, some of the looks of of the characters, uh, some of the villains coming up. They really like Marco really got that sort of dusty, you know, used, uh, you know, leathery kind of kind of look to them. Um, some of the backgrounds too. what I've tried to do is give him kind of cool set people uh, to have fun with. So, for example, uh, there's like this amusement park that's you see at the end of two. And it's arcades murder world because, like, of course, he'd get his, you know, of course, the Disney world of the wastelands is going to be arcades <laughs> murder world, you know. But 
um, the 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 look of it, like just the background stuff, like the the way that the roller coaster looks and stuff like that, it just looks like a death trap. You know, it looks like you would send a school school trip there, and then maybe forty percent of the kids come back. You know, like it looks like kind of just really dangerous place, and it, and it's just these little details that that he draws. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, even like a dialogue scene where there, that's the scene that was most special to me in the first issue was where he's talking to his estranged daughter and uh it goes badly because it just has an awful relationship with her but she says something and you see between one panel and the next panel you literally see his face drop you know um another great thing uh, uh, andre did as a colorist in the second issue they go to an exotic club because I wanted to have it like, you know, the heroes are so debased that like the strippers or the exotic dancers in this club dress like like heroines. Right. Like so. So, you know, that's how they're the, the reputations of heroes are treated or whatever in that in that world. But what he did is uh, what Andre did is he had like each panel would be like blue, purple, blue, purple to give an effect of like a strobe light. And, you know, because it, it's a two dimensional um, medium, right? obviously but it just gave it a feeling of like movement and a feeling of like you know change which i thought was awesome so sorry i i've obviously uh i geek out about this a little bit but uh it's an amazing art team geeking out is okay yes is that okay on the show that is perfectly that is on the show. perfect it's in the, it's in the title so you know it's, yeah and i'm a former colorist so i'm geeking out with you on it so, gotcha. so you're appreciated yeah it is i appreciate that i kind of feel like colorists are like the offensive linemen of comic books because if they, well, I mean, unless it's a black and white comic, in which case, <laughs> then it's the inker. Assuming it's a color. Uh, yeah, exactly. But they're basically the offensive linemen where if they weren't there, you would notice big time because yeah. quarterback would be on his, on his butt the whole game. So I guess I want to know kind of from the journalist's point of view, looking at what you're doing now as a writer for comics, why Marvel? Um, Knowing kind of roughly the direction Marvel has been going the last few years, um, why get into Marvel instead of DC Image? Well, for for starters, the the first answer is Marvel asked me. <laughs> but also, I've grown up, at, you know, I mean, when I was a, a, a journalist covering this stuff, I covered everything. I certainly have a soft spot in my heart for DC as well. Um you know, I know a lot of people who work there. I'm friends with uh, with some of them, and um, I love a lot of their characters. But I always, from being a kid, uh, I Marvel was the characters meant more to me. I mean, I, I love that they were more flawed. I love that uh, they felt more like in the real world. Um, you know, especially because I live in New York, so um, or I'm from New York. <laughs> Excuse me. So I feel I felt like you know they the Baxter Building could be there or, or things like that. So I love Marvel. Um, I, I actually, you know, I think they've done a lot of great stuff uh, over, you know, consistently, more or less. You know, I mean, maybe I don't, you know, I, I don't get to read everything. I try, you know, because I buy my own copy. So, uh, you know, I have to pick and choose sometimes. But like, I, I one thing I found like working for them, it's not a cynical place. Like everyone who's in this business loves this business. And they, they make decisions, like there's very few cynical decisions made. And like, to me... Whether it's, you know, called legacy or called something else or not called anything like I can't help but get excited when I see Donny Cates is going to do Venom or when I see, you know, Matthew Rosenberg's doing a sort of horror themed New Mutants title, you know. 
or if I see, you know, Jason Aaron is going to do the Avengers and it's it's a pretty badass lineup. Like I, I don't you know, it doesn't I don't care if they reboot the numbering. I don't care personally if, you know, if there's a big event or not. I just I love characters and I love creators. Um, and so, like, I definitely think they have a great I think they have a good combination of some kind of more veterans and some young up and coming writers. Uh, I'm not including myself in this, by the way. But like, you know, Matthew Rosenberg is awesome, you know, uh, and then plus they have like the, you know, the sort of the Jason Aaron's and, you know, uh, Mark Wade's and people like that. So and, and you know, now they have Kelly Thompson and other people like that. So I, I feel like I feel like Marvel has been consistently strong. You know, I know that there have been some headlines about sales or about backlash on certain things. But like I every month I can find 10, 15, 20 great Marvel titles to read. And that's been consistent, whether whoever Thor is or whoever Captain America is there. There have been some great titles and great runs, you know, so that's that's my little. Well, we will we will hit you up on on those titles a little later when we do our picks of the week. But um, if any any title in the past that you would want to bring back and write or helm yourself, what would you want to go for? That is tough. Something that's not existing now, right? You mean correct? Something that's like West Coast Avengers. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, did I mention Ultimate Four Bushman? Uh, yes. No. <laughs> I did mention that. Okay, so that one's out. Um, I, you know, I kind of feel like uh, just pie in the sky. Like I, I, I think something could be really cool. Could be done with Blade. I think, um, you know, I, I kind of because maybe because I'm so new at this, I, I don't know. I kind of might feel like some individual books rather than team books might be something that I would I would gravitate towards first. Um, just because I like to maybe focus on one character or, or just a small group of characters. Um, you know, also as, as a parent of a 14 year old, um, you know, they brought back Runaways, but I kind of feel like one thing that is not well done by the comic book industry as a whole is, you know, when I was 12, 13, 11, I was reading comic books regularly. And I feel like a lot of kids maybe see the movies, but don't read the comic books. And there's this disconnect between the very young reader stuff and then the rate of stuff. So like, I kind of feel like you need to get a, a new young generation involved and you get something like power pack, for example, like that could be a gateway for in within the continuity of the Marvel universe. That's more PG that can get people can get kids who once they become older teenagers might start buying the Spider-Man's and the other stuff. So like, I kind of feel like that is something that's like an untapped potential because, you know, this should be magical for, for 12 year olds and, and 11 year olds. Like it really should be like, they, they shouldn't be getting their only exposure from movies uh, because it, I love the movies, but I feel like the comics just are a whole other level of, storytelling okay now we've now attacking it from the journalist side uh we've talked about here off and on that marvel should kind of embrace more of the look of of the movies in the books mm-hmm. to kind of carry you know sort of like star wars to help tell the stories in between the movies so yeah. to speak how do you feel as a journalist first that Mar- you know sh- is that something marvel should pursue to bring more readership to their books and then vice versa as a writer now for Marvel, do you have the same opinion? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I kind of feel like just to, I think they do try every place tries, uh, you know, every publisher tries when a movie's coming out to sort of have it, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking about like, for example, when they killed off Captain America and there was a Captain America movie coming out that they had to sort of uh, 
start to bring him back and and sort of kind of get the continuity back at that point, if I remember the timing right. Um, I also I remember this very well when the Daredevil movie came out in like, was it 2005 or whenever that came out? There was a while where Bullseye was basically out of costume with a sort of bald and and the, the Bullseye on his kind of looking like he does an old man Hawkeye. But uh, <laughs> and that was obviously a very deliberate thing. But I don't think just making the comic book look like the movie is going to get the fans from the movie because the, the fans have to find it. That's that's been a little bit of a challenge, I think, for the industry is like there's all this great stuff and if, if someone's coming out of a spider-man movie you know and and is really loving this you got to put in their head that there's a comic book there's a whole bunch of comic book stories about spider-man um you know, I found this like when I when I my first issue came out, I had a whole bunch of friends like, oh, where where can I get one? And I'm like, well, you can either order it online or you can go to a comic book store. And I was like, comic book store? Where am I going to find a comic book store? I'm like, okay, well, where do you work? And I give the address. And then I ended up going and buying it for them because like they couldn't. So <laughs> they're like trying to support me, but I had to go out physically buy it for them to, to you know, and then and then they would pay me back because it was like so too convoluted for them to. I mean, it, it's ridiculous, but there is this. I think too much of a, I don't know if it's a stigma is the right word, but it's like, it's a hassle to go to a comic store for these people. Like, I don't know, you know, that's why trades become so important is because they can find them in a Barnes and Nobles or like an Amazon online. If, if where it's like, to me, there's a magic about going to a comic book store and like browsing and finding stuff you didn't know you were looking for, you know? Yes. So I, I wish yeah. there was a way. And I, I'm sure if, if, if it was an obvious answer, it'd be done already to get, these fans as excited about going into a comic store and buying the stuff, you know, because the stories as great as the best comic book movie is, there are, they're much better, uh, you know, actual comic book stories of these characters. Cause there's some, only so much you can do, you know, in a two hour movie that has to appeal to a wide audience and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as great as Logan was old man, Logan was better, you know, as great as, um, you know, Captain America winter soldier is that that original Brubaker storyline was, was even better, you know, like, I just I just feel like if you could somehow make that connection and then doesn't so the the synergy of it doesn't matter as much as like getting them to read these characters, the further adventure of these characters. Yeah. For me growing up, I remember like when I would go to my grandmother's house I could, or even where I lived in, in very rural Kentucky um, town I grew up in was population 500. The, the school was K through 12 and it served the county, not just the town. Um, comics were found in the local grocery store at the convenience store down the street from my grandmother spinners yeah yes do you think the the comic companies like marvel should look at diversifying again back into and trying to push back into those type of realms you know i mean on on some of the bigger titles or more of the um since cb is talking about getting back into bringing marvel back into the young ages or you know the all ages books getting those in those stores to help draw that target audience into the comics since most don't know about comic book stores. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I gotta say, like, I've, I've met CB, and that guy is incredibly smart, and he's also, he's this rare, he's like a unicorn where he is both like a an editorial veteran and a, a veteran of sort of like the business side, too. So I think if anyone can do it, he can, you know, because he, he has this sort of aerial view um, <laughs> But I, I mean, I think it's tricky because I kind of feel like if there was an obvious answer to this, then everyone would be doing it right now. You know, 
I feel too like, you know, uh, the younger generation, they're not necessarily as, you know, married to print um, as like we were or our kid, you know, in my case, my daughter, even, um, you know, they're used to tablets and their smartphones and things like that, which I know there are apps, but it doesn't seem like maybe they're, you know, in the same numbers. I I don't really know. It's not my area of expertise, but uh, I don't you know, it's kind of, I kind of feel like any way you can get those stories in front of eyeballs, uh, you, you have to consider it because, the, you know, the art and the story is like, it, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be on the printed page. Right. Uh, but it is, like, it is magical. Well, I remember, uh, and I grew up in a town maybe a little bit bigger than what Mike grew up in. And so I was getting my comics from the uh, spinning racks as well. I didn't walk into my first comic shop until I was in college wow. and it changed changed my life because <laughs> <You're the first laughs> course of angels yeah because you know it's like and, and i mean even now 20 some odd years later i look forward to every wednesday yeah. even if it even if it's a light week and you know i'm only getting one book it doesn't matter because for all i know there may be something else on the racks that i just completely missed you know um and but i don't know if it's a generational thing because i have next month get the rest of the story she wants everything now yo what's up it's like the netflix model right like the binge watching you just want it yeah. all yeah i mean it's, i mean that's a lot of people do by trades you know um you know so that's uh I think there's also the great thing about comic stores too is like it, it's it's like a gathering of your of your fellow tribe. You know what I mean? Like you can you can have it conversations. Is. You can um, you're with your fellow travelers, uh, and I, I think that's that's something. Yeah, <laughs> story which which shows you the power of geek culture. And unfortunately, it's not on brand for Marvel, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When we my daughter, a part of the now, tribe. <laughs> my uh, daughter was now 14 when she was a baby in a stroller. I had a flash T-shirt on and I'm like walking her across a crosswalk in the middle of Manhattan. And this guy is passing me on the other side in a, in a Green Lantern T-shirt. Never saw this guy before or since. And as we're passing, he just kind of whispers, meeting at the Hall of Justice. Uh, at seven, <laughs> and, then, and then I, and then I, as we're passing, I said something like, uh, "I'll bring Aquaman and the chips." And then we just kept passing, and that was like first and last time I ever saw this guy. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I mean, I, I'm a oh, that's awesome. Fan. I'm a sports fan too, but like, you're not gonna if I'm wearing a Yankees uh, jersey and someone's wearing a Mets jersey, you're not having that conversation. <laughs> your no, 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 not quite. No, I mean, he might the the Mets fan probably would take uh, on me or something. <laughs> jersey and someone like case my brother walking down with a red Sox jersey in new york there's no conversation you're stabbing no, well i mean maybe it's a conversation but it's not fit for radio let's put it to that <laughs> here's the number 911 uh, stab stab yeah. <laughs> oh wait that's philadelphia never mind yes we just um, <laughs> so talking about uh we're, we're talking about growing up and uh and reading stuff where you who were some of the uh the the writers and artists that, that that stood out to you as a kid that uh, that you remember from from way back in the day. Okay, well, so I think the very first comic, and I actually learned how to read, was uh, from from Flash comic books in the in the mid seventies, or maybe even they may have been even reprints that were earlier because I feel like it might have been a John Broom story, the first one. But uh, later on, I mean, I definitely discovered Marvel a couple years or a year or two later, and the first cover I really 
really remember strongly. I, I think it was a Michael Golden uh, Micronauts cover. I think it was issue 20. And it's like a, like a grocery store uh, shelf. And there are these mutant ants attacking the Micronauts. And there's like a like a cereal box. And on the other side is Ant-Man saying, I could have sworn I heard something. I mean, that was such an iconic cover to me because it like brought two worlds together. Um, and uh, But, you know, a few years later, I, I discovered uh, Claremont and, and Byrne and on the X-Men and, um, you know, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil uh, and, and Denny O'Neill's Daredevil, too, which I, I feel like doesn't get enough credit because that was an awesome run. Yeah. I loved yeah. Daredevil a lot. Uh, I just kind of felt like, uh, it, you know, my 13-year-old self or whatever just really loved that character. It's one of my favorite characters to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were like sort of the earlier ones. And, you know, I mean, I went through, uh, I loved Alan Moore and all that. I, mean, I kind of was a young teenager at a great time when all the, the sort of rules were being rewritten in comics. And so there's a lot of great stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite series is one called Alien Legion, um, which I love. Like what Chuck Dixon's run on that was just amazing. Um, just, I mean, that's just some of the stuff that I, I could go on and on. But those are some of my favorites wow. from my youth. Well, I mean, I, I love well, I, I could give you more current. I love everything Jason Aaron does. Uh, I love everything Mark Miller does. Um, you know, Bendis, St. Rosenberg, like I, that, that guy is, you know, uh, a lot of his, I don't know if you read the um, Tales of Suspense, which has uh, Winter Soldier with, with uh, Hawkeye. It's just this yeah. great buddy comedy. It's just very, very funny, as well as just a good action comic, too. Well, since we're getting close to that time for our picks of the week, what are some of the books that are your must grabs from Marvel this in week? A month? In, oh, okay. in, a, in a month, I'm loving um, the Marvel Two in One, which brings back uh, Human Torch and Thing. To be honest, yes. I'm not a big Fantastic Four fan, but I love those two. Um, I kind of felt like the problem I always had with Fantastic Four was uh, was really Reed Richards. <laughs> just, just <laughs> he could science his way out of everything, so it just really wasn't. You know, I never felt like they were in that much danger. But I feel like the two bumbling idiots of the team having uh, having their own book is pretty amazing, <laughs> and it's it's funny, it's heartbreaking, it's exciting. Um, we're only one issue into New Mutants, uh, but that looks like it's going to be a really good book. Um, I'm uh, what else? Jeez, uh, I'm reading a lot of stuff, but I love the Jason Aaron Thor stuff. I, I you know, whether it's Jane Foster or Thor Odinson, I, like as long as someone has a hammer hitting hitting a frost giant, I'm okay with it. Uh, God, what else? There's just so many. Um, you, oh, I love Iron Fist too. I was talking to Ed Brisson about about Iron Fist, and like I'm a big kung fu movie fan. And like oh. I, I can tell he loves those '70s Hong Kong flicks because that that book is like chock full of that, you know. Straight, straight up, a huge Iron Fist fan right here. I'm right with you. Yeah, <laughs> Kyla, who was it that we had on when we brought up um, bringing a pop culture icon into? Uh, that was uh, was that David Walker. Walker. David Walker, yes. Yeah, we uh, the, the that we was trying, an awesome run. We were trying to convince him he needs to bring Shonuf from. from <laughs> last dragon <laughs> oh and you know i love the the kate bishop hawkeye which just See, ended the only well, thing, i don't think show enough to stand up against danny <laughs> well i mean probably not if it's in an iron fist book but um if it's in another book maybe you know <laughs> maybe well i think we were talking he needs to be like an ongoing background character <laughs> just background just no background. line walking in the streets <laughs> maybe, he's kind of like a 
walking Easter egg. Maybe, maybe you maybe you see the every now and then show enough. <laughs> it's like Alfred Hitchcock in his movies, right? Like yes. Um, so with with those books, is there is there one that you you have definitely said if all the all the others are gone, I'm going to be devastated, or I must have this one if, if money's tight. Daughter has taken everything because that's what daughters boy, do. There's a boyfriend now, which I'm dreading, <laughs> which I'm dreading that moment with my daughter. How old's your daughter? Thankfully, eight. Okay, yeah, my daughter's fourteen, so it's like already almost an issue, but. Uh. <laughs> what what's that one book if it comes out you just tell your daughter no because this book is out yeah i'm sorry there's no food or rent because <laughs> i have to get well i mean i'm looking forward to the new thor uh jason i mean i love that whole ridiculous north mythology norse mythology um and i just love the way jason aaron writes so if i had to pick one that might be the one um okay. yeah i don't want to have to pick one though <laughs> <laughs> but there can only be one. That's true. Sorry. No, that's Highlander, not that's Thor. Highlander. Uh, different kind of mythology there. Yeah, I will. I will buy a Highlander comic book just because then it's like poetic. Because there was only one, and it was a Highlander comic book. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Well, we we do each week where each each one of the three of us picks three titles for the upcoming new comic book day. And, and I think we might tab your journalistic side to see how you would rate or judge our picks for the for the upcoming week. Gotcha. I'm actually pulling up. I'm trying to figure out what's what exactly is coming up. I always look at last minute. Uh, so, so it's uh, March 21st, right? Yeah, yeah yes. March 21st. So, uh, wait, I've got the MU pick this week. So I guess I will okay. go. I thought I actually you know what since we didn't do it last week why don't you go ahead I, I think I saw you had the book already yes for, I have so, I have a book so Eric I'll let you go first and you'll take the MU pick for this week okay do we do we get our normal lead in music because um, we gotta have our theme music good heroes gotta have a theme music let me see if I can find it because this might be one of those last times but we do have the exclusive permission from the Shazbots to use this for our entrance for the segment we do and that is that would be the picks of the week and the the song is called comic book shop from the Shazbots. so eric why don't you start us off okay i'm i'm just gonna go off with my with 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 my heavy hitter of the week i'm going with mighty thor 705 written by jason aaron art by russell dodderman the death of the mighty thor part six the epic showdown years in the making finally explodes across the heavens thor battles the unstoppable mangog with the fate of all asgardia hanging in the balance is thor willing to pay the ultimate price in order to save the gods the tragic and heroic story of jane foster finally reaches its heart-rending zenith you knew it was coming the death of thor is here at last i'm definitely definitely not going to say no to that one especially the way he said it <laughs> the challenge is now on kyla your first no pressure kyla. okay <clears throat> well my number one pick is cable number 155 the writer is zach thompson the artist is german peralta and the cover artist is daniel warren johnson Fierce Past Part 1. Travel back to an untold tale in Cable's past when he was the leader of the New Mutants. What happened on this day when Cable hasn't spoke of since? And how would this affect him today? From the new creative team of writing duo Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler and artist German Peralta. All right. Well, I'm going to start off with 
the one of the obvious ones for me that comes out. Um, Star Wars number 45, written by Karen Gillian, artist of Salvador La Roca. The rebellion needs you. The empire takes from all of us our freedom, our dignity, our hopes, and for some, even our lives. The Rebel Alliance fights to take back our galaxy from the forces of oppression. So for our first picks, how would you give your journalistic impression of what we've released? First of all, I want to commend Eric for his brilliance and choosing Thor. No, I mean, they're all they're all, <laughs> uh, they're all fantastic picks. It's not like you could go wrong with any of them. Um, but I mean, just just I would go with Thor just because the end of that storyline, which is a long time in the making, and it's obviously going to be a powerful one. Um, you know, but I will be reading all three. So, and, and as you said, no food, no rent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, Eric, your second pick of the week. Okay, my second pick of the week is Doctor Strange Damnation number three of four, written by Donny Cates, art by Zyman Kuransky. Am I pronouncing that right? I think oh, so. Okay, good. That's the first time for everything. Wong's makeshift Midnight Suns, which are Iron Fist, Blade, Moon Knight, and the Scarlet Spider, stand against a whole platoon of Ghost Riders, oh. including the cover image where it shows Doctor Strange as Ghost Rider. And I'm just saying, that cover image is what got me picking this one. Awesome. Kylan, your second pick of the week. And I swear I didn't do this on purpose, but (laughs) my second pick of the week week is Iron Fist, number 78. The writer is Ed Brisson. The artist is Damien Cusario. Hope I got that right. And the cover artist is Jeff Tikal. Damnation tie-in. The past returns as Iron Fist faces his sins in a city built on them. But there's something deeper at play and a hellish hand may twist Danny's fate more than he realizes. Okay. Well, um, I think I'm going to go with Spider Gwen number 30 for my second pick. Uh, writer is Jason Latour. Artist is Robbie Rodriguez. Gwen, Gwenum part six. To defeat the Kingpin, Gwen has to let Venom win. But if Murdoch dies, so does Gwen Stacy. Mm, that's an intriguing tag uh, log line or whatever. Yeah. The whole Gwenum, uh, the Gwenum t- uh, storyline, it's been pretty interesting. I mean, we we saw how the the symbiote affected Parker back in the day, and of course Eddie with you know everything they've been doing. But to see to, to see the symbiote messing with with Gwen with the Spider Gwen stuff, is, it's been pretty cool. So that concludes our second picks of the, for the week. And I, oh, you want my feedback? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kylan here. Obviously. Uh, you knew that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love Iron Fist. Uh, to be honest, I have to catch up on the uh, Doctor Strange Damnation that the Mothership title because I do read Doctor Strange. Uh, I just I was fell behind, so um, just need to hawk off some of my wife's stuff, and then I will catch up. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, she's like in the next room. She can hear everything. So, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> One of you have a couch that opens up. Just, just asking. Um, <laughs> I have a spare bedroom. Okay, how, long, how long will it take you to get to Orlando? Calling a cab now, and uh, <laughs> I'll see you soon. <laughs> Pull up that Uber app. Yes. There you go. No surge pricing there, is it? <laughs> 
little bit. A lot of comics for that purpose. So, Eric, head us off with our final picks of the week. Okay, my third pick of the week is Thanos number 17, written by Donny Cates, art by Jeff Shaw. Thanos wins part five. The Silver Surfer strikes. Thanos and his future self take on the most powerful opposition to his reign left in the universe, Norrin Rad. Can even two Thanoses, would that be Thani, crack his cosmic shell? I mean, it's, you got to ask that question. What's the plural of Thanos? Thani? Thanoses. Thanoses. Okay. Thanoses. <laughs> Oh, that could like be that. that could be our show title right there. You know, the plural of Thanos. See, the trick is I said it so fast and decisively that it sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Well, we, you we work for Marvel. Perfect go with that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I won't, I, I'm not going to question you. <laughs> since I usually work in our guest in the show title, the plural of Thanos, Ethan Sachs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you see the spinoff of my Madrox, um, my Madrox event series. Will be all about the the Thanos. Thandrox, Thandrox. So it's just Thanos just multiplying. Oh, Lord, you're giving Madrox the Infinity Gauntlet, aren't you? <laughs> oh. This is going to be a 72-issue event with all the spinoffs and everything. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Gwendrox. It'll be Thandrox. I got it all planned out. Not only is it going to be a crossover amongst Marvel, but it's going to delve into DC and IDW as well. Yes. <laughs> There will be cease and desist letters coming from every major publisher by the time. <laughs> you have a full collection set. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Netflix series already. Yes. <laughs> except for Xenoscope, except for they're going, hey, we got some interesting covers for you. Get the action figure variant covers. <laughs> going to be a Steve Buscemi is going to play Madrox and it's just going to be all Steve Buscemi's it's going to be a series it's going to be great it's all Steve Buscemi's for my Netflix series <laughs> oh god I love that idea I'm, lo- I'm loving that idea more than I should ever have a right to <laughs> All right, sorry. You oh, sorry. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing like getting like getting, all the all the, uh, the action, action figure covers, covers, and they're all the same. <laughs> See, that's the Madrox right there taking over. Right, so whose turn is it? I interrupted everything. <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's all right. That, that's, oh, that we have more great. tangents than a high school geometry class anyway. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking forward to the Netflix series. I'm serious. I, just, I want that to happen. I just got the cease and desist email from Netflix. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. My pick is um, Star Wars Poe Dameron number 25. The writer is Charles Soule. The artist is Angel Unzueta. And uh, the cover artist is Phil Noto. It's the end of an era for Poe Dameron. With Resistance and First Order on a collision course and his mission to find Lord Santeca nearly at an end, the force of Poe's destiny draws him on toward an awakening. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, my final pick of the week is Avengers 685. Writer is Al Ewing. Artist is Paco Medina. No Surrender Part 11. The Avengers Weekly Epic continues. The Avengers are in the fight for their lives trying to end the Hulk's rampage. 
but nothing could stop the unstoppable. And when the when an Avenger tries or betrays the team, God, if I could read tonight, can the rest of the heroes hope to survive? And the cover from Mark Brooks on this looks amazing. It does. I, I think you get the win on that round just from the cover alone. Like that is a pretty, although I, I do love uh, my Thanos as well, but I got to I got to say that's a great cover. Uh, but of course, the correct answer was Old Man Hawkeye number two, second printing. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not on our list. There you go. What you need to do is buy uh, three copies so that each of you, like, you know, that it's each of your picks. But that was my shameless plug of the week. It won't happen again. <laughs> no, no, hey, no, it's all do it. It's all right. See, I didn't. I know the the list that we pull from. It's it's not on our list. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a second printing, so I really was only joking, but. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I mean, it made a second printing, so we're we're, we're yeah, not going to great. Yeah, yes. no, it's, uh, it's I'm pretty happy with that. I I did not expect that, so I didn't know what to expect, but I I'm grateful. So, well, before we get to our Marvel Unlimited pick, uh, just real quick, wh- what's how's been the reaction to to Old Man Hawkeye? Uh, my mom said it was okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, it's been, you know, I think the lion's share of the reviews have been pretty good. I've seen a lot of love on social media. I've done a few signings and the fans have been excited about it. I think, um, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise because it's not like, you know, people have been waiting 10 years for this comic or something. But I think once it came out, a lot of people were like, hey, I remember him. I really love the character from Old Man Logan. And so it had this, you know, because the risk you always run is like you don't want, you know, you don't want to. The original wasn't so precious that like trying to do anything, any connection to it is going to offend anyone. I kind of feel like it was this fun, wild ride. So I think a lot of people were excited to go back to that awful place <laughs> where uh, where the heroes are so mistreated. Uh, so, I, th- I mean, overall, it's been pretty good, you know, from what I can tell, the reaction. Let's go back to that awful place. It was a hoot last time. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Disney World, but from hell. <laughs> Universal? <laughs> oh. No, no shade throwing here. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Um, Shots fired. Eric, how about the Marvel Unlimited pick? Okay. Uh, Marvel Unlimited pick this week. Uh, now, when when it's mine, I do try to, uh, to tie it in somehow to one of the major stories or to the guests that, uh, that we have on with the week. And, of course, this week being no exception. Um, since we can't do a uh, an unlimited with Old Man Hawkeye, let's go with Hawkeye's very first appearance, which is Tales of Suspense number fifty seven from September nineteen sixty four, uh, written by Stan Lee, penciled and inked by Don Heck, letters by Sam Rosen. It's the first time you see him. It's uh, it, it's an Iron Man tie in actually, uh, and uh, one of the quotes from here is: "It seems that every masked unusual criminal in the." East tries to attack my weapons factory sooner or later. Every time I turn around, I'm menaced by some crackpot or spy. And there's the Black Widow in there as well, pre-Redhead. Well, that's going to bring us to our close. Ethan, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I, you know, probably because I'm new to this, like I, so I have, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, right now my Facebook and my Instagram are kind of private, um, largely because the idea that people would want to find me on the internet is kind of alien to me at this time. But, uh, for now, um, my Twitter handle is at Ethan J Sachs. Um, 
there was a Ethan Sachs who's actually I, I've befriended just because it's a fairly rare name. And I reached out to him on Facebook and said, I don't know who you are, but you have a fantastic name. So anyway, uh, he lives in Washington as a Capitals fan. Uh, so we've traded bets back and forth the last few years. But anyway, so he's had uh, Ethan Sachs, I believe, on on Twitter. So I'm Ethan J. Sachs. Uh, that was a long, uh, long answer to a short question. Sorry. <laughs> well, since you said you were a, he was a Capitals fan. Who do you follow? Uh, well, I'm I'm from New York, so uh, you know, in football, the Giants, hockey, the Rangers. I understand you're a Tampa Bay fan, so you're basically a Rangers fan too. No, uh, since you've half <laughs> team, <laughs> you've half team on your roster. So yes, you are uh, by default. Um, Knicks in basketball, uh, Yankees in baseball, and Juventus uh, in Italian league soccer so okay. the conversation killer right there apparently no <laughs> uh i follow tampa because they're they're right down the road from me but i i'm also a big colorado fan i have a friend who works for the team so well tampa bay will win a stanley cup uh this year uh, i think so it, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. I, I would like to see colorado make the playoffs this year um and and go at least second round but yeah i think tampa bay is gonna tampa bay is gonna be the team to beat and i'm i think i'll call it right now i, I think it'll be a tampa bay vegas finals that'd be interesting i mean you know uh all those long-suffering vegas fans waited a long time for this <laughs> Hockey in the desert. <laughs> They're long-suffering fans. Waited a long time. Yeah. Well, before we go, check out the homepage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates, Ripped Apparel, Superhero Stuff, Loot Crate, TV Store Online. Um, supporting them supports us at no additional cost for you. But I'm also going to bring it up because I just got a, a box from this company who's an affiliate of ours for Weeby Geeks. It's called Fan Chest. And they send you a box, sort of like Hero Box, where you, it's not a subscription. You can buy it as you want. And you can get, like, Rangers merchandise. <laughs> there or, or Tampa Bay merchandise. Um, Who wants merchandise this year? <laughs> merchandising. Um, where the real money is from the movie is made. But they they sell boxes for NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and various colleges. Uh, not all teams are represented, but a lot of the New York area is, which is a hint towards you, Ethan. <laughs> so you can go check out WeBeGeeks.net and click the link no, for, no for their box. For two months. <laughs> Your, your daughter's young enough. She can survive. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a paper route. She'll be fine. Lunches are free at school, right? <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you for coming on. And definitely, definitely anytime you want to come back, new project comes up that yeah. you, you kind of teased and said you couldn't talk about. When that's available, feel free to come back on and we'll talk about it. I told you guys it was the Madrox uh, event series. Uh, you know. Yeah, when they finally greenlight Old Man Forbush. Come back. <laughs> the, the I'd be old, happy. I had a lot of fun today. The, the old man universe is going to be the new ultimates. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We This was definitely a, a blast and a half. We appreciate you coming by and, and sticking through our technical difficulties as well. So. Oh, it, it, no big deal for me. I appreciate, uh, first of all, I appreciate the invite. And second of all, I appreciate being uh, Ringo uh, to your band today, <laughs> providing the rhythm section. I, I think I figured it out. The old man universe is universe 415 because that's dinner time then bed <laughs> oh <laughs> the old man universe brought to you by insure old man universe happy hour at Denny's. <laughs>
So again, go check out Ethan on on Twitter. Uh, pick up the book Old Man Hawkeye. Uh, definitely, I have my copies in my pull list that I need to pick up. So until next time, sounds good. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. And this is where we usually talk over the outdoor music, just about nothing in particular, but something that makes us like the old man. You know, with the pot on his head, it's kind of like all rusted. This long passage. I'd, I'd be curious, what would old man Hawkeye eat at meals? Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. I can hardly eat meals. Sound. Sounds like bad. We were just asking real quick, what would Old Man Hawkeye eat at Denny's? <laughs> We'd have to go buy steak. The Grand <laughs> Slam. Someone would have to cut it into small pieces because he's probably, you know, probably be gumming it. I think. I don't think those are his real teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jello?